As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Welcome to this week's episode of the Race IndyCar Podcast. I am your host, Jack Benyon, from the race, and alongside me, even though I spoke to him about 12 hours ago, is JR Hildebrand. JR, are you looking forward to this very special episode we have coming up here? Yeah, I can't wait. We'll see what we we'll see what we get out of Mr. Power here, but looking forward to it. <laughs> there we go. Smoke and mirrors have been removed. We are speaking to Will Power on today's episode. Before we do that, a quick run through his season uh, before we head into that interview. I thought we should point out some of his stats and and stuff like that because things like this kind of get lost in the immediate aftermath of someone winning the championship. When you ask them a million questions, um, you know about their about their championship win and and the the actual fundamentals of it can get lost. So um, you had the win, five poles and, and eight podiums fourth on the ovals, second on the road courses and third on the street courses in terms of number of points scored. He was first in terms of points per race. He was fourth on the season in terms of his average start, obviously first in terms of average finishing position. And he still would have won the championship, even if the Indy 500 was single points, which JR and I are still vigorously campaigning for to happen. That just, it just makes you feel good to say that, doesn't it? <laughs> Not you, just in general. Like It feels good to be able to say, even without double points, this result would have been the same. Yes, exactly. So without further ado, instead of talking about the man himself or his successes this season, let's cross over and hear from the man himself, Team Penske's Will Power. So, Will Power, 2022 IndyCar champion, thanks so much for joining us on this episode of the Race IndyCar podcast, and congrats on the title. How did you uh, How did you celebrate last night? Um, I had a f- couple of green teas and, um, uh, yeah, had the guys up to where I was staying at the hotel and they had a few drinks, and, uh, yeah, it was just a low-key, but good conversation and reflection on the season, um, and, yeah, maybe we'll do something more and get back to... Uh, the Charlotte, but uh, yeah, yeah, no, it's it's just a just a great to to have it done with over with because obviously you know, <laughs> in the weekend you're pretty stressed because it's it's all come to this point and you know a lot of lot rides on the race so you don't generally sleep that well and it's, it's a stressful time but it's, it's uh, so it should be because it's a tough thing to do. Yeah, I guess before we get too much into the championship itself, uh, I mean, first of all, huge congrats, man. I'm super happy for you. Thank you. Um, I want to just talk briefly about your qualifying run this year. You broke Mario's pole record on Saturday, which I know you couldn't like fully take in uh, over the course of the weekend just because you had you had bigger fish to fry um, on Sunday. But you were on pole five times this season. Um, you know, when you hear, you know, we've, we've talked on the pod and, and I'm sure it's been discussed you know, kind of over the course of your day here about, um, you know, this revised mental approach that you've taken, you know, when you hear athletes talk about making adjustments to their mental game to take maybe a more long-term approach to performance, 
I guess, you know, being focused on what's available, maybe instead of what's needed to win, it seems like that can also mean trimming off a little bit of that peak intensity. So I'm just curious when it came to extracting maximum pace this year, you were as good as ever. How did you yeah. find like the balance between those things? The, the right. Yeah, actually, I missed a bunch of what you said at the beginning, but I think I got the gist of your, your question because the internet cut out. But um, <laughs> there is quite a difference between how you tackle qualifying and how you would tackle a race in driving style. Because obviously in qualifying, it's very reactive um, because you don't have the history of the previous lap and the tyres obviously coming up to temperature and, um, uh, you know, you bring it up a certain way so you're not feeling the car that much. And, and then in the race, it's very, it's very proactive. You have the history of the lap before and many laps before um, and the history of the tyre decks. You understand where the car is going to fall and sit and you can react. You, you, know, you can, you can uh, be proactive with understanding where to place the car uh, so quite quite different in, in driving styles. Like yeah, in qualifying is much more of attack mode, and like I said, reacting to the situation in the exact second, um, and and then also reacting to a car that's not necessarily going to be perfect either. Uh, so yeah, it's I have found that balance very nicely. I've been able to. To really zone in on that this 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 season, you know, slowly over over time as you have your ups and downs and struggles. Like 2020, I was extremely fast all the time um, and didn't seem like I had to do anything that special. And then 2021, you know, I struggled and just actually the first time in my career, I legit struggled for pace, uh, which was a bit confusing to me. And then you know, I got back uh, back to where I need to be this year. So it's forever changing. I will tell you that. It's forever changing. If you think you've been quick one season, do not expect to turn up and do the same thing the next. The the tyre can change slightly. The, you know, setup philosophy within the team can change slightly. The, you know, the the track's always changing. The conditions change. So it's never, it's, it's, it's a moving goal. Um, and you've got to be on your toes to constantly be able to, react and adjust all the time. I guess winning as many polls as, as you have, Will, if you were in a, a different championship where qualifying is kind of weighted more importantly, I guess, uh, you know, we'd be talking about probably many more championships for you based on the success that you you have had in, in qualifying. I guess, is that part of the mental approach of kind of accepting sometimes even even though you are the fastest in qualifying, it doesn't always count for, for what it should do. And that's something that's not always inside your control. That's 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 very. It's a big deal. It's very apparent in IndyCar. Qualifying well really does not mean that much, um, and and the reasons for that is that if you if you qualify out of that top twelve, which is the first round, um, you know you you have you have better tires. You have even if you qualify out of the top six, you have better tires. So you know you're able to 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 be especially if the reds. Uh, it's a it's a weighted race on red tires. It, it, you have a you you have an advantage. Um, yeah, and the other reason is that you can react off other people strategically, which is you know you can you can sit back there, you can save fuel, go long, you can um, see when someone pits and overcut them. You can do a big undercut, and then the, that's the third benefit is the pits close under yellow. You undercut goes yellow. You gained a bunch of track position so that's that's been very apparent over my whole career that i've watched i've watched so it's got to be mobbed i'm going to say 10 races plus i've lost because of a yellow flag whilst leading um so yes if it was formula one rules i would have i'm going to say i probably would have won more championships and certainly would have won a lot more races and even the the formula one blue flag rule as well but that's not the case in IndyCar and um, as I've got older I haven't consistently qualified the front and it's actually been a benefit like this year because I've had the advantage of coming from the back with better tyres and reacting off other people and you know I've had some amazing races from the back this year because of that Um, and because of yellows helping out as well so 
it's sort of coming back around. <laughs> so yeah, and that's that's just the nature of IndyCar racing. It's 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 uh yeah, it's unpredictable. So it's good for the fan. Yeah, for sure. I guess you know coming to the to the actual title win and, and and what it actually means. I guess you know you've come close to to championships before. So you know what does a what does a second title you know, mean to, to your legacy as an IndyCar driver, do you think? And uh, have you kind of moved past, you know, caring what people say about your career and your, and your championships and stuff like that? Or, or is that kind of thing still, you know, important to you in, in moments like this? It, uh, yeah, I probably care a lot less, you know, it's just natural as you get older, you really don't care too much about what, what people say. You know, everyone always has, has a certain opinion and that's fine. Um, the, Second championship was, I, I must say, I did have in my mind winning winning two championships does separate you a little bit from other people. Uh, so, you know, satisfying that respect. Definitely not on this massive high because I won a second one. Um, just satisfied and really happy for the team because I really felt like this is the best group I've ever had around me, um, you know, on a car. Um, new crew chief this year who had been on my car uh, quite a few years ago as a, as a mechanic. So um, really wanted to win it. Really, really wanted to win it for my engineer, uh, Dave, because he's been, he's been through a lot of those uh, championships that we lost. And, you know, I've, I've heard him say, you know, comments that, you know, kind of, you know, tears at your heartstrings because he puts so much into it. So, you know, I would have, yeah, I wanted to, he deserves, he deserves, he works hard and he works hard and him and uh, Robbie Atkinson is a, a data acquisition guy. They, they've been with me for more than a decade and yeah, I, I wanted to win it for those guys and, and the crews. Great group, great group of guys, a lot less selfish and maybe that's why I'm not on a massive high. I'm like just satisfied that I got it done. I guess I'll talk about your guys a little bit there because yeah, Joseph and and Scott both had changes of their kind of engineering teams this year. You've had a pretty consistent. You've meant, just mentioned you've been with Dave yeah. for like ten years, a decade plus. Yeah, I'm I'm curious. You know, you've gone through. You guys together have gone through some swings in performance over those ten years, and and managed to like just pull it all together this season to do something that you know very few other drivers did. And you know, we're talking about doing all of this. I think it's important for listeners or people that are watching the series to realize like five poles this year, breaking that record, going and winning a championship this year in a season when people are talking about IndyCar being more stacked than it's ever been. So, you yeah. know, for you guys just in total to be operating at this level, you know, maybe just talk a little bit about what that what that kind of ebb and flow has been like in your and Dave's relationship over that period of time to be able to still, after all these years, pull it all together and go make it happen this season. Uh, it, it has, um, yeah, it's, we've never stopped like analyzing and working and trying to understand, um, you know, cause there's been many different changes in, 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 uh, you know, car weight distribution. Obviously, when we first got that DW trails, massively rearward weighted, as opposed to the the previous generation car, which was quite nimble and such, with a very different driving style. So we've we've had to, you know, work our way through all those changes. Body kit cars, and suddenly, you know, you have uh, you know the windscreen is a you know really forward weight distribution car. So. I think it's just added to our toolbox of understanding the car and understanding why you may struggle. And, um, you know, we've just gained a tremendous amount of experience and we're just, you know, just pulling from all that, uh, you know, in these last couple of years, last, you know, particularly this year, but we're so efficient now with the feedback and, you know, the phasing of the corner and what does what and what phase and, you know, it's just it's become so refined uh, just from years and years of doing it and understanding the philosophy that the car needs on a, you know, certain weight distribution or, um, you know, even it's very track-specific setups are now. You can't just have a road course set up or a street course. It's like it's so competitive. It's like this track needs exactly this. <laughs> Otherwise, you're kind of – you're not in the game. So, uh, yeah, we've – it's it's been a great partnership. I've been with Dave since 07. 
07. So he's been with me in Champ Car through Walker, then to the merger of IndyCar at KV and then on to Penske. So uh, we've, we, you know, we know, we even go back to 07. We talk about, well, maybe the car, because that was a Ford weight distribution car, maybe that's why, you know, it did this and that's why it works. Like, like so we've got so much to pull from, so much experience that uh, it's, it's, uh, it's a good combination. Um, I think all the engineers there are great. You know, I think uh, Ben Bresman's really, you know, it's interesting watching different styles of engineering. Yeah, Brent, ben Bresman's very nurturing, very positive to the driver. Dave's, he's pretty tough. Like he, he'll just tell you straight up that you, you're not, you know, that you're slow and like you're just, he'll just, he won't say it like, oh, you're slow as in, as a dig. He's like, yeah, you just, you're not, you're not good enough here. The guys are much better. So he's, he's more of a, straight down the line guy, doesn't sugarcoat it. Um, and then, uh, you know, New Garden's got a new engineer who's pretty new to the IndyCar game this year, uh, or basically got two engineers actually, which was Luke Mason and uh, Eric Lytle, I think that's how you say it. But, yeah, uh, all it's interesting. I haven't worked with another engineer for so long, I wouldn't know, but um, – um, just yeah, you know, observations from the outside. There's definitely different ways to tackle it, but Dave and I have it pretty pretty well covered. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. No, I mean it's it's cool to hear. I always, whenever I bump into Dave, he always just seems like like he's always curious about kind of the next the next thing, you know. And the, the, I feel yeah. like as a as an engineer, that's something that even even when you go through frustrating times, I feel like between the two of you guys, that's something that can definitely carry you through just there's always a problem to solve there's always something new to figure yes. out we were we were talking about the car on the victory stage yesterday <laughs> yeah. we were like, Dave, there was a difference in the, the tires like the last set was much better than the previous set like i just i wonder you know was it this was it that and guys were kind of laughing at us like listen to him still debriefing on the championship still talking about it and yeah we just can't help it we cannot help it we just We've done that forever. I remember at my wedding, we were talking about this. <laughs> <laughs> I just got married and we were like at the, uh, you know, the, the party after. Everyone's having a good time. And I was like, well, how are we going to win this championship? Yeah. <laughs> but hey, you what remember those damper curves we tried at Sebring three years yeah, ago? Yeah, no, seriously. Yeah, no, that's, that's us. Yeah, we can't. We're always talking business. Oh, that's, uh, yeah. that's the sign of a good relationship, I think, between engineer and driver you know we so we've discussed as i'm sure a lot of people have we've discussed on the podcast this year a lot of kind of like the nuances of your comments that you've made throughout the year about you know sort of a revised mental approach and and I, so i'll i'll say i'll i'll kind of throw this out there as a as a preface that i've spoken sort of openly about you know at the end of my full-time year with ECR like I was struggling with some things at that point and, and went out and sought counsel for like, I'm, I was, I'm, I wasn't, I was having a hard time finding joy in what I was doing. Like there was just some aspects of kind of knowing that I needed to find a different way of approaching, you know, the craft and not necessarily my career from a professional perspective, but just showing up and driving the car and, and doing, doing that piece of it. Um, I'm curious, I know you've said that you know, there are some things about maybe changes that you've made for this season coming into the season that you won't talk about, you know, until your career is over. But I'm just curious, like maybe in a more general sense, what triggered you to go out and and make some changes or or to think differently coming into this year? Uh, I'm trying to think of the process I went through when um, I did cotton on to something and and. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe something just, yeah, I'm trying to, without telling anyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it was, um, yeah, it's just, I would say, you know, it's, it's, for one, I don't really have pressure to have to do this. I don't, I've had, I've had a great career to this point. So that's one, you know, that's just a perspective. Like you, you, you're looking at it and, you're looking at it from a low pressure point. Like you don't have to do this. You you're good. You could stop right now, and you you're good financially, and you're good. Um, you know, professionally, you're happy with what I've done. Uh, so I would say that takes a lot of pressure off. 
yeah, I don't really have to. I feel like I don't have to achieve anything any anymore. I'd be fine to stop. And, and I guess, like, is that you? You've seemed extremely comfortable in your own shoes this year. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You know, like, so was that? Was that even something that you know is a bit of a shift in your mindset yeah. from from last year to this year? Let's yeah, say. I would, and you know, I, I realize I'm not going to be able to do this forever, and maybe not that much longer. Um, you know, there's no way I'm going to be in it for another decade, maybe not even, you know, at the maximum, you know, maximum another four years, maximum. So kind of enjoying it and knowing that it's, you know, I'm, I've got to enjoy this and it's, it's you know, sort of at the later part of my career and I reckon that takes a, a bunch of pressure off it. You know, like you were speaking about your early days, you know, you, with you know, I would say that's perspective, but it's tough because you're trying to save a career. And I've, I, remember, you know, I yep. remember those days, they sucked. It was really hard to enjoy because you want to say, well, just enjoy it, but you can't because you want a career in racing. And, you know, and that's just, that's where you've, you know, you're, you're trying to step up, you're trying to perform. So you don't enjoy it necessarily. It's like a real grind. Um, so I'm kind of lucky at this point in my career to still be competitive and know that I don't have to keep going. Massive, you know, you don't really have that pressure. Um, but you want to. You don't want to, you know, I'd still be upset if I didn't have a job, like if I lost my ride at the end of this year, at the end of next year, it'd be really, it would be disappointing to go out that way. But, um, you know, you kind of sit back, go, well, if that happens, it does. And uh, you've... In that way, yes, you're just more relaxed about the whole thing. You've been around so long, you've seen it all. Um, got a lot of experience to draw from. There's many re- very, it's, yeah, it's quite complicated. It's not just a just one thing you change. It's been a slow process over a lot of situations and things that have happened over a long time, and you've come to this spot mentally. Is it? Is it? You could you say maybe it's more of a disconnect between what you're actually doing behind the wheel and the achievement of the results at the end of it, because you know that there's certain things that you don't have control over and there's certain things that you can't impact. So disconnecting that from what you're actually doing behind the wheel in the moment from a mental aspect is, I guess, a big part of that. Yeah. Not heavily focused on results, just focused on the actual execution itself, which is the most enjoyable part. (laughs) You know, that is, is, if you're 100% in the moment, you're not worried about the result, but you're just enjoying hitting apexes and getting it exactly right, this sort of thing, perfecting it, that's the best mental space you could ever be in. You know, if you have this thing looming over your head all the time, like I must, I must, you know, that's just unnecessary pressure, but sometimes you have that, it's there. Um, you know, it just, and you've got to, um, I think I've just become very good at understanding the place I need to be in as far as nerves and intensity and all that. You, you're finding a sweet spot because you've done it for so long. You know when you're overshot, you know when you're undershot. So you're just trying to hit that middle spot. And, uh, it just comes with experience. It's nothing. You could not teach that. You could not, you know, people can say it all. Yeah, you know, you've heard it. I heard it my whole career. Just don't focus on the fault. Focus on the, just be in the moment. You know, you've heard it, but you, it's very difficult to achieve until you've done it for a long time, been through it so many times, and it just comes with experience. I think it's that's it's interesting for you to hear because it's you know the because I'm with you. Like you hear you know whatever we, we've all we've all heard sports psychologists or you kind of you talk to people here and there or you go through a program of this or that or or whatever, and and you hear people talk about you know needing to not be focused on the results, and it's kind of like that's not telling me to not do something is, is a hard way of managing yeah. to actually figure it out. Right. Where I think I I've sort of gone through the experience, even just over the last couple of years, like not racing full time, like being more curious about this kind of stuff of realizing, no, it's about recognizing that just when you're in that moment, when you are just feeling the car and there's nothing else going on, that's the part of the whole thing, regardless of what the result of that day is like, that's the part, like, that's why we do this, right? Is to have that yeah, feeling, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. But there is a conscious aspect to it, you know? Obviously, that 100% in the moment's kind of subconscious, you know, it's just like on autopilot, but there's a conscious part of it. There's, you've still got to consciously prompt your subconscious all the time. Yeah. 
So you can prompt it like, oh, I, I don't want to hit that wall. So you're focusing on over there, not over here. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's, it's, it sounds simple and it's tough to do. It's, it's very easy to veer away from that. And uh, I reckon you only get it with, with experience and insight. Like that's, yeah. And it's, man, it's such a mental game. It is such, it, that's all it is. It is a hundred, that's all it is. Yeah. It's a mental game and how much you're willing to extract out of yourself without overstepping it or understepping it. Yeah. Well, Will, just before we let you go and, and catch a flight and, and head home, uh, I guess just one final question for you. Um, I, I guess I wanted to ask, obviously, your your first title in anything, you know, means a lot to you. And I'm sure you still fondly remember your first IndyCar title. And, and that's uh, obviously one of the the big achievements in your career alongside your, your 500 as well. But where does this second title wrap up? Obviously, it's been a little while since you did bag that first title and there's been that, you know, that gap in between where, where does this second title stack up? Is it almost more enjoyable than the first or, or where does it, where, I guess you've not had a lot of time to reflect, but what, what's your kind of feeling on that at the moment? Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah, maybe it'll become more apparent <laughs> uh, in a few weeks, but it's uh, just satisfying. You know, I just, I enjoyed the journey this year. I really enjoyed the racing. I, I enjoyed the execution of races. Um, didn't really sweat it when we didn't win. We only won one race and um, normally I'd be really, you know, frustrated with that. But I really enjoyed the craft and uh, winning the championship was just uh, due to that process and, um, you know, obviously satisfying for me and the whole team would have been disappointing if we didn't. But, uh, yeah, just, just uh, yeah, hard to say. I, I, I'm not that. Like it's not like it's not the huge relief or anything that I've I've had after the 500 and after my first championship, but it, it's extremely satisfying. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining us, 2022 IndyCar Champion World Power, and uh, we wish you all the best for a hopefully relaxing and enjoyable off season. Although it sounds like your your season this season has been relaxing enough as it is, and you don't need that relaxing time. Everything's gone. Uh, everything's gone. To yeah, work. yeah. <laughs> no, believe me, I still like I said, I, I get nervous before races, but. Yeah, Sucking exactly. Like a true journalist over there, it's, Jack. It's Jesus. the right nerves. It's the right <laughs> sort of pressure. It takes pressure. It takes pressure. Uh, so it's it's not. It was it was not uh, what you call a relaxing season. But enjoy. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> right on, man. Thanks so much, dude. Thank you. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Well, JR, I've successfully offended the 2022 IndyCar champion by declaring that his championship was actually really easy to win and that it didn't really take much <laughs> for him to do it. So that was a that was a nice way to finish off that section, and I'm I'm, I'm glad that I'm uh, I'm going to be permanently uh, ostracised from Will Power's phone book for the future. But uh, Will remembers everything. Yeah, he doesn't, see, he doesn't always seem like the type of guy that would, but he definitely does. So yeah. Out. Absolutely, the all-knowing willpower. So let's let's start with you, JL. What was your what What do you feel like was was there a, a key moment in that, or a, a biggest takeaway that you took from from that interview? I, I think just in the context of that, obviously we've we've had effectively almost twenty four hours between you know him actually winning the race and a microphone not being stuck under his nose immediately after yeah. him getting out of the car, and and he's he's obviously had time to reflect at least a little bit and it looked like he had much uh much more of a quiet night than maybe his bus bro teammates had judging by uh their <laughs> pictures on on twitter so yeah what was your what was your immediate takeaways from from that i guess my takeaway overall is is that hit well overall my takeaway just from this year and and culminating i guess with this interview that we just had with him was that i think he's just realized for himself he's become comfortable with it with his own kind of positioning and performance and you know it's it's easy to say that you don't feel like you have something you have anything to prove but 
sometimes sometimes you don't really mean that. I think when you hear when you hear athletes or drivers or, or whatever people in their professional lives of any kind when they say like I don't you know I, I I don't have anything to prove. Sometimes you still you still feel like you have something to prove to yourself or to there's there's something there's something that's unresolved I guess you know and so I guess uh, maybe maybe my point is that those things are different like saying that you don't have anything to prove is not necessarily saying that you're entirely satisfied with just how how everything is how it's going to be and you no longer are invested in it needing to be one way or the other going forward and so i just feel like will clearly clearly now has gotten to that point but i think was basically at that point going into the season and it's it's so interesting to see somebody uh, to see the to so clearly be able to see the effect of getting to that point where you've just sort of shed yourself of those concerns those feelings um those expectations uh the the sort of outward or or the you know external whether it be pressures you know he mentioned that you kind of have to have some pressure to be able to perform at your best and i get that but i think that it's also being able to be on terms with what those pressures are and kind of manage for yourself how much you care about them coming from different places or different people and so it's just really interesting to see this him him so dramatically in one off season seem so different. And you know, one thing that we that we didn't get to it was a question that was kind of on both of our minds. I think going into this interview was to ask him about Alex Pillow because we did more more and more. We did see the the post race helmet swap that that he and Alex did, and he made a note to Alex sort of. In a way, I think in a slightly veiled sense, like crediting Alex for some of the way that he's adjusted his game coming into this year. And I think that it's interesting just thinking back on the conversations that we had about watching Alex over the course of the season last year and how and how you can draw such clear comparisons between the way that Will has gone about his business this year and the way that Alex just kind of naturally did what he did last year. I mean, we, we, we talked at multiple points about how kind of no matter what's going on, he's always just got a smile on his face and he's, he's finding joy in this thing that he's got going on. And the, the lens through which he's looking at his performance and his opportunity racing at Chip Ganassi racing and all of these things is basically just, is always seeing the upside of those things, basically like, you know, I mean, I remember talking about it after the first race that he won at Barber, just that his his MO basically seemed to be like, well, yeah, I'm in the best car. Of course, I should be able to go out here and win. And so that's what we did. And so it's as simple as that kind of. And throughout the course of the year when he was, uh, you know, he he uh, had the blown engine at, at the Indy GP in the, the second one, like in the second half of the season. And that'd be an easy point for people to kind of say oh the table the you know the the tide has shifted whereas his point of view was clearly like well i'm still in the lead and so i'm in the most advantageous position here like like never uh succumbing to their 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 appearing to be maybe a, a difference of the momentum that people had you know like being completely um unaffected by that and and so to me that points to just being really insulated like having having a pretty clear perspective on what you're just there to do and really knowing deeply that if you do what you're there to do and you and you do the things well that you can control that you're going to be able to go achieve at like an extremely high level and how easy ultimately that ended up looking and so I don't know. I, I I I wish we'd had the chance to ask it. It'll be interesting. You know, maybe I can catch Will like offline sometime or something. But I do think that I think there's something in that. You know, like I think that I think there was something that he saw in the way that Alex did what he did last year that is a little bit more specific than just oh I decided that I needed to do something different this year. I think he saw somebody else do something that impressed him. And 
made the effort then to understand that for himself. And, uh, you know, so I'm a little bummed that we didn't, we didn't at least get a, we were obviously, we were getting close because he just, he decided that he needed to not tell us some yeah. stuff, but, uh, it's definitely an interesting, it's really interesting to see it. I'm so happy for, I'm always happy for guys to see them take that step wherever they are in their career or whatever it is, because you know how kind of transformative it can be. Well, the thing is with, with Polo is that he's, he has gone on record saying that he won't talk about what he saw Alex doing. So uh, I guess um, we had to prioritize our questions a little bit there in the time that we had. And I was pretty <laughs> sure that he was just going to not tell us what, what that was uh, because he's, he's done that before. And if we had a little bit more time, it would have been nice to, to tease that out of him as you, as you, as you uh, mentioned there. We'll get back to the pod in a moment, but first, a word about our partner, Grammarly. No matter what kind of work you do, how you communicate is key. All those emails, reports and presentations are equally important to the collaboration needed to get things done. And Grammarly can help. Grammarly is your AI writing partner to help you communicate more effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact at work. I know from experience that Grammarly can help you save time on any writing task and ensure you feel confident about what you've produced. In fact, 96% of Grammarly's users report that Grammarly helps them craft more impactful writing, and their tone suggestions can help you navigate even the most difficult work conversations. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Sign up and download for free at grammarly.com forward slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Just to build on a couple of things that you said there, JR, uh, we, we should mention it was uh, Marshall Pruitt who shared the picture of uh, Alex Plow's helmet swap. You can go and find that on, on Marshall's Twitter, uh, which it said, um, it said, Alex, watching you win a championship last year taught me a lot, uh, which is, yeah, I, I guess you described it really nicely, actually, in terms of what you said Um it just it, it's it's almost like a backhanded compliment, isn't it? It's like <laughs> thanks for telling me how to beat you, basically. Um, but it, yeah. but, it, but it, well, it's probably why Will's so cautious yeah. to not say anything because he doesn't want somebody else doing the same thing to him. Yeah, exactly. So, but but I didn't I didn't take that as him being you know arrogant about it in any way. It was just quite kind of like a funny kind of way that it came across, but but really interesting as well. And um, I wanted to uh, I guess get a little bit more into some of the things you were talking about there about. Um, you were talking about not feeling the pressure and maybe, um, you know, not feeling like you needed to prove anything to to anybody. And I found that quite interesting because if I put myself in Will Power's shoes for, for a couple of minutes here, it's been eight years since I've won the first title. And I think there's always, if if Will hadn't won the championship this year and didn't go on to win a second championship, I feel like there wouldn't be any lingering doubts about his ability because what people have seen him do in terms of, you know, how quick he is over one lap, what what he's done in terms of even small things. Maybe it's not maybe it's not right to say it's a small thing, but like revolutionising different corner entries at different tracks and stuff. He's like totally like ripped up the phone book and taught people a totally different way in terms of how to actually approach a corner and things like that. You know, it's it's clear that he is going to have a, a massive legacy and an impact in IndyCar. But being me imagining myself what, you know, how much of a competitor Will is, that he would not be happy at only winning one championship. And and people kind of, people are always going to compare Scott Dixon's career to Will Powell's career because they've run in a kind of, you know, a linear fashion. And yes, Scott doesn't have the the poles that, that Will has and, you know, maybe hasn't been able to extract that peak performance over one lap like Will has, but he has got the more championships and the, and the more race wins. So I think people will always look at that and, you know, maybe they'd want to choose like, well, I'd rather have Scott's career because he's had more wins, depending on how people rank things and things like that. So if I was putting myself in those shoes, if I was Will, I would feel like I had something to prove that that I am every bit as good as Scott Dixon and that I am every bit as good as everybody else in in my era. So it's really interesting. And I think it reflects that mental approach that we've talked about that he doesn't feel that way because he's so clearly just Zen about everything that's happening right now that he is not 
any anything like what people imagine Will Power should be thinking in this situation, like I've just done there for a minute. He's like totally the opposite. He's like, I'm disconnected from the results. What happens, happens. All I can do is control the bit that's within my control. I've been screwed over by however many yellows and whatever different rules that he doesn't like over the years that he's been very vocal about. And yeah, I mean, he feels like, uh, I think, it, did he say 10 race wins? He feels like he's lost at least from from various like cautions and, and stuff like that. I think 10 was a number that he used in the interview there. So I just found that all really interesting that he's just, he, everything about him at the moment is kind of opposite to what you would expect that he, he, he should be in that situation if he was another racing driver. But he's just, he's definitely found this really cool headspace. Well, I think, you know, Will has, Will's gone through some different, He's not so he's I'll say this that and I don't think this is, you know, overly personal or something that he's definitely not somebody who's uh, shied away from trying sometimes drastically different or 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 somewhat, um, you know, I don't know, I, I guess. I'll, yeah, I'll just say sort of drastically different uh, approaches to dif- different aspects of how he approaches different things about what he's doing. And, and, and this year it's been more of like just I think his own perspective and kind of the the lens that he creates for himself in terms of the way that he's approaching what he's what he's there to do at the track um so the fact that he's gotten to a point and decided to do something different to me is not like that he's a guy that's done that this late in his career that that doesn't surprise me i guess in a general sense but it's uh it's definitely interesting just to to kind of watch that happen and again like i I think you just can't be i I mean i i gotta say like i'm i the most the thing that i'm the most impressed with i guess is just that he managed to change so dramatically and stick to that revised kind of version of himself and revised perspective uh throughout the entire season basically like there was not ever a point this year that you felt like you weren't getting this updated version of willpower basically like regardless of where he qualifying practice race whatever like i'm sure there are times when you can sense frustration and and all that kind of stuff but it just and i guess i i think that why i would have been interested to to get into a little bit more and i and makes me curious more about it basically just just as another driver is like I think you only have that happen when you've managed to like lock on to something like some shift that is so apparent to you that it's making a difference that it's just, you know, I mean, it's, this is a weird, this is a weird example, but you know, like when, uh, you know, if somebody tells you to stop drinking because it's bad for your health or something like that's kind of a hard, that's, that's like a, you know, it's a weird like reprimand or something like you're trying to you're, you're focused on like kind of the consequences of this or that but once you experience like enough this is not necessarily from personal experience but but maybe maybe a little but like you experience like a couple of really bad hangovers and you see the difference between like oh actually when i but now i've had a couple of those nights that like all my friends partied super hard and i didn't drink and then i woke up in the morning I actually just felt great in the morning i went and got my workout in that it's much easier to like develop a new kind of mental pathway for how you think about the situations by focusing on how good you felt when you did it the you know when you when you woke up in the morning and felt great and were able to go get your you know early morning run in as opposed to having to somehow remind yourself of how lousy you felt when you were hung over and somehow like work backwards from that. And so I just think like Will has found, like my point in saying all that is like, Will has found that positive thing that he knows works for him to be able to like latch onto that he feels and can kind of tap back into that positive feeling of not feeling the pressure of not, you know, that it, built into that feeling is this lack of pressure and lack of expectation and lack of focus on the outcome that he's able to just, just like shed all of that. And so, um, I think it's, it's a hard thing to do, but Will's done it and he's done it in one season and it's like, you know, completely changed. I think it's completely changed how I think about willpower in the race car, 
you know, as an, as a driver and as like a kind of, you know, fan or whatever, um, you know, watching him do what he does, because I, I think that the hardest thing to inevitably like let go of, you know, your family is always super supportive of you. Your friends are always super supportive of you, your, your team. And especially, especially in a situation like his, where he's, you know, competitive year after year, your team's really supportive of you. Like it's not the people that you're immediately around are, are in your corner um, as a, as a driver and will in Will's position or just, just kind of in general. Um, it's all of these weird, you know, it's, it's fans, it's the media, it's the thing that, you know, quote unquote, like the things that people say about you, that that's like the stuff that I feel like not will necessarily, but just in general, like as athletes, you can kind of get too caught up in being concerned with that. And, and I think even other, your peers, like fellow drivers, like things that other drivers might say about you or that you might worry about or you might somehow be caught up in what they think about you know being concerned with what scott dixon or dario franchiti or whatever like says about you you know when they're having a beer with their pals or something um and i kind of i don't necessarily feel like will has been somebody that's particularly you know any more than anybody else like concerned with those things but you can just see that he totally doesn't you know, give, give he doesn't care at all <laughs> about about what any of that is that's swirling around him. And uh yeah, it's just it's great to see. It's great to see somebody. I mean, I mentioned it to him just that I felt like he yeah, it's true. He just he looks super comfortable in his own shoes. Like he just looks like this is this is kind of this is Will. Then this is just how he is. You know, he's not making up for anything. He's not doesn't feel like he has to and uh you know that's just a cool thing to see. There's a lot of uh, beer in your references there. And I'm just wondering, having spent so much time with me over the past 48 hours, are you just kind of like dreaming of when this is all over and you get to (laughs) grab a cold one from the fridge? Uh, Maybe. (laughs) But uh, seriously though, uh, there is some, a couple more things that I wanted to unpick there. And I guess basically it's it's explaining and and you can definitely chime in on this because you know, you've experienced this yourself to a certain extent, but the, in IndyCar, we have more, generally have more cars per team and in other, in other championships, which we discussed on the last episode. And that means more data. So, you know, Will, when Will comes back from a practice session or qualifying or, or the race, he's got Scott McLaughlin and Joseph Newgarden there to, to bounce ideas off. And if he wants to change his style of driving or if he needs to take a wider line into turn four or something, then all of that information is there right in front of him for him to make that change. And it might not be as simple as just changing your driving style. It might be something that, you know, is inherently in the setup as well. And that, that maybe the setup needs to change to accommodate that, but they're all, they're all tangible things that you can change to work towards uh, an end goal. Whereas a mental approach to racing is, is not something that involves one thing that you wake up in the morning and just change. And, and if we're talking about, you know, we're talking about how relaxed Will Power looks at the track you can't honestly say to me that he just woke up one morning in the off season and went, I'm not going to care about anything that happens this year. And just, you know, and, and when bad things happen to him, he just, in the moment, he was able to just disconnect his brain and and not get angry about things because that's not how human nature works. And we've all seen willpower get particularly angry after races on, you know, multiple occasions. So this is not like a, this is not like a setup or a, a line change or something in the car. This is a, a multifaceted approach change that he, he's he's changed multiple things about how he approaches a race weekend and his probably his life it, it probably all stems from a way of living to a certain extent because these guys are all in the shop every day they're training every day whatever that that all impacts obviously how the the mental approach kind of you know yields your results basically and some drivers that people can probably think of a few now if you just close your eyes and think of a few drivers, but there's, there's definitely drivers out there who are fast enough to win an IndyCar championship, who are fast enough to win races, who are fast enough maybe to win multiple IndyCar championships. And there's drivers like that in every single motorsport championship out there, but many of them won't reach the the levels that power has because they haven't perfected that mental approach. And it is something that can be the difference between winning a championship and not winning a championship. And it's something that some drivers just never perfect over their entire career. And even when you talk about your kind of, you know, your progression in terms of your mental approach, 
that wasn't something that came to you particularly, you know, quickly when, when, once you're in IndyCar. It took you, you know, maybe it wasn't something that it was like it took you a number a number of years to find out because things evolve and situations change. You're in different teams and things are moving around you. But obviously, it was a, a little while before you were able to to perfect your approach and and how you were looking at things and and maybe even just realize like, oh, I'm looking at this situation in a certain way and that is not particularly healthy for the end goal that I want to achieve. So I, I guess all of that is to say that this is not something that is just Will Powers just woke up in the morning and changed something. And the fact that he's been able to do that after, you know, eight years since his, his last championship is, you know, a miraculous thing that I think we'll be talking about in the future as being, you know, a really impressive achievement. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I, I think that, I think the thing that he's, and this is, I guess, speaking from like a bit of my own experience that the thing that he has fundamentally made the adjustment to is that making his end goal be that I'm going to be the best version of myself when I'm in the car, as opposed to it being something associated with like how many championships he wants to win or how many polls he wants to be on or how many races he wants to win or, or, or any of the math of how those things add up together to create for the way that people think about you or, you know, whatever, whatever else. And so I think that like, I didn't really figure that. I mean, you know, I'll speak to my own experience with this, which was like for a long time, you know, I like won an Indy lights championship with two races before the season was over without thinking at all about that. Like you just showed up to the track and it was super simple and you got in the car and you went and did your thing. And, and there was no, there was nothing more to it. Like, and, and a lot of guys, I think, and, and then jumping to an Indy car and okay, one car team, kind of whatever, like you have your ups and downs and Indy and blah, blah, blah. But basically the same thing. Like I sort of treated the whole thing that same way for a long time. Like I think most professional athletes probably don't get to the point that they're professional athletes without having just like a built-in skill set and nature about them and way of approaching things that is conducive to functioning at a very high level, basically, right? So probably everybody gets to the, you know, when I mean, it's like when I when I joined the IndyCar series, okay, I was the most recent Indy Lights champion, but you're racing against the last six Indy Lights champs or something like, you know, racing against Scott Dixon and Tony Kanaan, who were Indy Lights champions like 10 years before that or whatever. Um, you know, so you, you, you kind of, I say that just to make the example that you, you maybe all can like function off of just your instincts and talent and kind of your basic way of doing things through that point. And then once you get to that point where you're a professional, then there become more of the idiosyncratic, like little details about the way that you approach things, the way that you functionally do things in the car, the way that you communicate about the car, all of those things start to matter more because you're on more of an even playing field against a bunch of other drivers who are all really good at and all bring this foundational level of skill to the table. And and it was in in my experience going from different teams and you know kind of being at that at that level and not and not racing necessarily for teams at any point that you know, I didn't have a lot of teammates over the course of my career. Like it was, I was like flying a little bit more solo in, in more of those situations than not. Um, you know, you, you start to kind of, I started to apply that own pressure to myself and you're, you get into a weird dynamic within your team of having to kind of justify your existence versus the way that engineers are functioning. And so, you know, in, in my experience, like in my situation, you know, I, I started that led to thinking about what I was doing in a different way because I did not, it wasn't like the most important thing to, or the only thing that was important to me was just showing up and getting the most out of myself. It was having to kind of think about how to manufacture a whole situation where we were making the car better and 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 then you're kind of at odds with your engineering team sometimes about whether it's you or it's them or how much of whatever is 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 this or that and all of that together for me and made it so that by the time I was like you know whatever 10 years or 8 years into a professional career being full time like on and off I guess over that course of time 
um, everything had become actually like my mental approach was much more complicated than it had been when I was a rookie and you're just getting in and you're going and you're showing up at the track and you're just doing like, you're just, you're just doing the thing that you're there to do. Um, and so it can be like a powerful thing to just reconnect with. And, and for me, it took, uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of an engineering minds. I have a bit of that math and sciencey mindset anyway. So it took for me to like, understand, understand the emote, like almost have somebody kind of walk me through understanding like what is going on here in terms of the causation of thinking about something and, and kind of how that affects the way that you end up actually the, the mental space that you're in when you're out going and doing something and what are some of the things that can kind of get in the way of uh, being more aligned in those moments? Um, and once I understood, but I guess I'll, I'll say this to the point here, which is once I actually understood that for myself, it was like an instantaneous, like, oh, I get it. Like this, this totally makes sense to me. I will easily be able to put this into practice and it immediately changes the it immediately, it has this kind of trickle down effect of immediately changing the way you think about a bunch of the things that you do when you're at the racetrack, how you're interacting with other people, how you're talking about the setup of the race car, how you think about the setup of the race car, how I think about, you know, what I'm doing in, in different situations, qualifying versus practice versus a race, like versus pit stops versus in laps versus outlet, you know, whatever, like it, it is, it, you know, I mean, I guess I bring that all up to say, like, it doesn't surprise me that will that if Will has had that moment and he's figured out what that thing is, that it has affected so many things about what we see from him. But, but to your point, like for him to be as good as he's been for so long and get to this point and find whatever that is and, and maybe on his own, like maybe without having anybody else's influence manage to convert that into that internal understanding of how, of like, and and commitment to a new perspective is like just kind of abs- like that's insane like that's that's not something that you see very often you know in in sports let alone for race car drivers like i've not i i can't i cannot think of another race car driver that has had this big of a shift in how they just come across one year to the next and and have it be so instantly successful um in this in this regard just i don't like i don't think there is one no i think you're right and that's a that's a lovely place for us to to finish this conversation about willpower and his his, his season i guess and 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 just what a uh, an impressive situation we find ourselves looking at now being able to to reflect on this season and what he's been able to achieve so jr thank you so much for bringing that level of kind of mental insight you you're the perfect person to to speak to in this situation about uh willpower and what he's been able to achieve and now you can go and have that beer that's going to cure you of all the benignness that you've had to cope with over the last but i got a workout to do so oh that's that's I'm a out. shame i'm out i'm really I'm so, out. i feel yeah. really so joseph jo- i feel like joseph's gonna go like 10 times as hard as he normally does this off season so our little like, oh no our little off-season. I'm already starting to stress about what the I hadn't level thought about that as an implication of off-season competition. It's like, God damn it, man! Like, I don't, I don't, I don't need you to be needing to go even more ham on the off-season workouts than you normally do here, buddy. I feel like a bad friend that my initial thought to Joseph Newgold not winning the championship was not, oh no, JR's in great trouble because he's going to have to exercise <laughs> much harder than he was before. <laughs> it was my immediate first thought. Just so we're clear on that, was like. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> like when it, when they interview, I mean, yeah, I was bummed for Joseph listening to his it was interview for all kinds of reasons, like as a friend and, and whatever. But mostly, it was just you know selfishly that <laughs> I don't want to have to see what his like two k you know skier is on on Wednesday of this week. You know. All right, Joe. Well, I have I have got some good news for you. I have got some good news for you, and that's that the race has a new app. And you can find this app by searching for the race media app in whichever app platform you use. I don't know what app platforms are. I guess it's like the app store on Apple and the Android store on Android, I guess. 
but definitely go and check that out because it's very cool. I have used it on my iPhone and it makes uh, navigating around the site a lot easier and it's quite fun. So definitely check that out. You can also email us podcasts at the hyphen race.com. If you have any questions about the season, if you've got any suggestions for off season content, if there's maybe uh, a situation where we've been a bit too busy with post-race podcasts where we've not been able to get someone on the show and, and you want to hear from them or there's a story to tell, then let us know. And we'd definitely be happy to help you out with that. And we'll be back across the off season. Uh, maybe not as regularly as if there was a race every weekend, but we'll definitely be back and bringing you some of those stories from inside the paddock. There's a big, big silly season still remaining. I think if I'm not mistaken, JR, that Penske and Maya Shank Racing are the only teams that have their lineups like actually fully set for next season that are definitely not going to change. Sounds right. So, <laughs> yeah. So in, in September, as the season finishes, there's uh, two teams at the moment that have their their lineups fully set. And by the way, we still have a, one team suing one of its own drivers and various other merry-go-round situations going on so i think we're in for a a fun off season for the race indycar podcast so that's all for this week's episode and our second episode this week the first one which you can go back and check out looks more specifically at the laguna seca finale and the the goings on there and this episode has obviously spoken to will power your new champion so we'll be back in your podcast hall very soon Athletic.